0: I'm excited to be in the book of Philippians. If you would turn with me over to Philippians chapter 1. And we left off in verse 12. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. We're going to be looking at personal ownership uh, tonight to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And ownership is a really big part of life. There's a, a big difference between renting a property and having the privilege of being able to own a home and pay that mortgage. I remember when my wife and I were first married, we had a small apartment. If you're familiar with uh, the city, Palmer Park and Uenta they were some older apartments. And there was some joy of not being a homeowner. If something broke, uh, you simply called the management and they would come over and they would fix it. I remember we had a faucet that broke and we called and before the day was done, they had it fixed. But there's also a real joy of being a homeowner and being able to paint walls the colors that you would like and really make it your own and plant your roots. In fact, one of the things that I've been doing in this uh, stay at home order is getting some painting done on inside of, of the house. You may think of uh, the difference between owning a car And renting a car, you know, do you drive a rental different than you drive uh, your own car? And for me, the answer is yes, Uh, humbling so. You know, if it's a rental, I don't treat that rental the same way uh, that a car that I've purchased, a car that I've worked hard to, to pay off. And what God wants us to do in order with our salvation is to really take ownership of it and realize that it does belong to us. And to invest in the gracious salvation that God has given to us. Not that we add to salvation. We can never add to the finished work of the cross, but we're exhorted to work out our salvation, what God has put in us, to take ownership over it and work it out. What is the theme of the book of Philippians? It's joy. Paul mentions joy several times, and he also mentions our minds. And our minds really are the key to us experiencing joy in the Lord. Maybe there's been times in this last month, six weeks, through this coronavirus, where you felt your mind getting out of control. This is an opportunity for us to take our thoughts captive, to do war with our thoughts. You may remember in chapter one, it was Jesus Jesus first, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Then chapter 2, the challenge of putting others uh, before ourselves. And tonight, this personal ownership, this call to work out our salvation. In verse 12, Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not as in my absence only, but much more in "...as you have always obeyed, not as much in my presence only, but much more in my absence." So the word, therefore, is in light of what we saw in the first 11 verses, and that's Jesus humbling himself to go to the cross, becoming obedient to the death of the cross. In light of what Christ has done for us, in light of the fact that we're loved by God, Paul's saying, don't just obey in my presence, but also obey when I'm absent." There's something about us where we want to behave differently when we're in the presence of other believers or especially a Paul-like figure. But God wants us to be in a place of obedience no matter who's around. This quarantine, this stay-at-home order does reveal our character. Are you any different at home as you've been at home for these so many days? Then when you're here at church, when the church is full and when it's packed uh, with people, do you act one way around your mentor, someone who's discipled you, or are you consistent in your walk with the Lord? I remember my brother and I, when my parents would leave us home alone, is we would tend to get in some trouble. We would behave in their presence, but disobey in their absence. One of the things was with some of our TV choices. I remember we were watching something we weren't supposed to watch and my parents were getting home and my brother, he goes, "Mum's the word. And I'm like, what do you mean? What's mum's the word? I'd never heard that expression uh, before. By me asking the questions, my parents overheard and they're like, what are you guys doing? What are you watching? What are you doing wrong? Also, we learned to drive at really young ages in Oregon, in southern Oregon. We'd be out hunting, and my dad wanted to make sure we knew how to get out of the mountains if we needed to. But one of the things that we would do when my parents were gone before we got our driver's license is uh, we would drive around the neighborhood. We were way too young to drive, but we would uh, do it anyway until one of our neighbors uh, caught us. It was probably two years before they caught us, and turned us into our, our parents. But nonetheless, our obedience was when our parents were home, not when they were absent. And is that your relationship with the Lord? Are you obedient to God when certain people are around? Well, God always sees, and He always knows, and He wants us to be obedient when the Paul-like figure is present, or the Paul-like figure is absent. So here's The call, if you're taking notes tonight, here's the call. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We're to work it out, not to work on our salvation because Christ has completely provided it for us, but to work out our salvation. The word work is to produce or to bring about labor, to work hard so God has invested the salvation inside of us, and then it's our job to exercise it. This is much like going to the gym. God has given us physical bodies, and if we go to the gym and we exercise, we can't do that right, right now. There's that physical benefit. Spiritually, for us, there is that spiritual benefit to put labor, to put effort into our spiritual life take ownership of it. There's no one else that can take ownership of your relationship with the Lord. You can't do it for me. I can't do it for you. You have to take ownership for it. One of the things I've observed in my life is that things don't really change until I make the decision to change, until I'm ready to change. If, I, if I'm if i not ready to change, then there's probably no change that is going to happen and take place. And God's a gentleman, and he could override our will, but he waits for us to respond in faith. He waits for us to surrender our will, and then he does the, the supernatural. So as God has graciously given to us our salvation, and we're not working to earn or deserve his favor, we're not working to earn or deserve eternal life, but we're investing in what God has invested into us. I like that. So how do you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling? How does this work out practically? Well, spending time in God's word. It's very difficult to work out our salvation without spending time in God's word. God's got a feast for you in his word. He's waiting to meet us in his word. If you don't have an appetite for God's word, pray that God would give you an appetite for his word. Prayer is a way that we work out our salvation, to depend upon the Lord in prayer, to cry out to him. This is a great opportunity to go for a walk. And as we go for a walk, to talk with the Lord and to pour out our hearts before him and call out to him because he's worthy to be praised. Another way that we work out our salvation is through obedience. As we read the word to really desire to be obedient, to attempt to be obedient and to follow through with the truths of of scripture. So that's the challenge to us this evening. That's the call to us tonight is work out your salvation. Take personal ownership of your salvation. Say, I want to grow in my relationship with the Lord. We don't know when... Quarantine is going to be lifted off in the stay at home order, but hopefully we're stronger in the Lord by the time this is done. Romans chapter 5 tells us that one of the ways that God grows us is through suffering. Suffering brings about perseverance and character and character hope, but we have to allow it to. We have to allow suffering to be able to teach us the lessons that God wants for us. This is a good time to stop say, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? This is happening for a reason. So what are you showing me? Work out your own salvation. And then the next line is with fear and trembling. This is the attitude in which we have towards God, is one of worship, fear and trembling, of of respect, of awe, of who Got to make sure I don't lose my mic here. I'm going to set it up on the table. Would you say that your attitude towards God is one of fear and trembling? One of worship? As we work out our our salvation to be saying, Lord, you're so good, you're so awesome, and you're so wonderful. Amber and I, we bought our first home uh, by the Olympic Training Center off of Union and Cashelapujo, right in that area, at Knob Hill. And it was built in 1947. We had to buy a new kitchen stove, and this kitchen stove was a gas stove. And I'm thinking, I've got this; I can put this in. So I went down in the basement and I turned off the gas. And one of the the valve that I turned, it actually broke but it was still in there. So I thought, I'm good. This is, this will be, this will be fine. And got the stove put in and it worked. And a few years later, we went to sell the house. And then when I broke that valve, I actually caused a little bit of gas leak. And I'll never forget the guy that came to fix it. His face was fear and trembling. And he's like, you could have killed your whole family. You know, you could have killed your, your wife and your daughter There's a little leak here, and if someone would have lit a match down here, there would have been an explosion. Out of that, I have had a deep respect for gas. There's no way that I'm going to work on gas. I'm going to pay someone to do it. And when we think of the fear of the Lord, it is this deep understanding that God has the power to be able to destroy us. He he is all-powerful. But what I think causes fear and trembling more than anything else is understanding God's love. When we understand God's love, then it moves us to a place of fear and trembling. Guys, maybe you can relate to this, is you always wanted to take it to your dad, take it to your old man, until you're actually strong enough to do it, and then you didn't want to do anything to, to hurt your dad. God's love moves us to a place of fear and trembling. The Bible talks about a lot the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the Proverbs, it's really putting the Lord in his proper place. When we put God in his proper place, it puts us in our proper place as well. In verse 13, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Point number two, the power, God who works in you. So the call is work out your salvation, but God is the one who's giving you the power to do it. Isn't that neat? If you quote verse 12 and you don't quote verse 13, you're really leading people astray. Because God is calling us to work out our salvation, but he has worked this in us. He's given us his power. For it's God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So God is putting those things in our hearts He's planting those things in our hearts that he wants us to work out. He's putting in us the desire to read the Bible. He's putting in us the desire to pray. He's putting in us the desire to be obedient and share the gospel. So the question is for us is what is God working in you? What is it that God is placing on your heart and placing on your mind? Is there something that the Lord has asked you to do? In John 15 verse 4, You may be familiar, it says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in the vine. We can do nothing apart from the Lord. We have no power, we have no strength, we've got to be completely dependent upon Him. God brings about difficult circumstances to highlight our weakness so that we would trust in the Lord. Hansen, a Bible commentator, put it this way, when our finite work is empowered by God's work, then our work is an expression of God's work. Warren Worsby, I really like this. Too many Christians obey only because of pressure on the outside and not the power on the inside. Did you catch that? Too many times we're obeying because of the pressure on the outside, the pressure that we put on ourselves The pressure that a family member puts upon ourselves. Pressure that the church puts upon us. But Warren Worsby is saying, no, there's a better way to live. And it's the power on the inside. It's what God is working in us. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's such an important time for us to do that. What is God working in you? Is he working in you to go encourage your spouse? Encourage one of your kids? Work out reach out to a coworker. What is it that God is placing in our hearts? So the power is what he is working in us. All right guys, here's the big kicker of the evening. You ready for it? Do all things without complaining and disrupting. This is point number 3. It's the application. It's applying. It's putting these truths in practice. What does it mean to labor in our salvation? Is to do all things without complaining and disputing. Does the Bible really mean all? All things? All things without complaining. All things without fighting. This is perfect for the stay-at-home order. And it, as it gets long and the weeks go by it's easy to start complaining. It's easy to wake up every day and go, oh, this is just like another day. And when is this going to end? And I'm tired of this taking place. And it's having its ramifications in every area of our our lives, financially and, and physically. But God wants us to go through our days in a place where we're not complaining and we're not disputing. First, To be thankful is the will of God. God tells us that. So when we're being thankful, we're in the will of God. I want to show you a few things in other sections of scripture that explain to us just the damage of grumbling and complaining, complaining and disputing. So turn with me to Romans chapter 1, and this is verse 18. Romans 1 verse 18. A few years ago, God really put this on my heart when I was being challenged in this area of grumbling and and complaining, that the lack of thankfulness is really the downward spiral of our soul. So this is Romans 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and righteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So here it is. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful. And it goes on in Romans 1 to tell us that then God turned them over to their sinful heart. Did you catch that? They knew God, but did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful. One of the most important things to our spiritual life is being thankful. And being thankful is the opposite of being in a place of grumbling and complaining. Now turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. In Hebrews chapter 12, we've got some really famous verses in the first Few verses, but then there's this gold mine for us in verse 3. So let's read verse 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Here it is in verse 3. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. What's the key here to really having a breakthrough against grumbling and complaining? It's to consider Jesus. It's to think about all that Jesus went through on the cross. I've been thinking about what everyone went through, the Jews went through on the Holocaust during this time. All of the suffering, the labor camps, the consecration, concentration camps. I'm reminded, man, I really don't have it that bad, of what the, that generation went through, the Jews went through with the Holocaust. And the Bible says here that we will become weary and we will become discouraged if we don't think about the suffering of Christ and the hostility of sinners against himself. He never sinned and yet he took on sin. There's sometimes when there's such an evil in the world that it affects us. We go, man, that's such a vile, nasty sin. How much more for Jesus, he never sinned But he became sin and took the punishment of sin. And as we focus about all of the suffering of Christ, then this keeps us from being weary and discouraged in our souls. This keeps us from grumbling and complaining. What is it tonight that's really causing you to want to grumble and complain? Is it physical suffering? Is it something going on in your body? Is it a relationship? Is it the fact of being alone? Is it financial difficulty? And saying, I want to put that suffering in light of who Jesus is and the suffering that he went on the cross. And I'm going to choose not to be a person who's complaining and fighting. It's a choice that we can make through the power of God. Him working in us. Who is it that you're fighting with and why are are you fighting with them? And how could God bring transformation tonight? This is a great time for us to stop and consider our lives and go, how much of my life is wasted through grumbling and complaining? When we think of sins, we don't often think of grumbling and complaining and fighting. We think of lust and we think of anger and envy and all of those are, yes, big sins, But here, grumbling and complaining is a sin before the Lord. If I'm in a place of grumbling and complaining, then I'm in a place of of sin before the Lord. So, let's change the narrative right now. What is it that you're thankful for? I want you to go ahead and write in on the comments, on on the chat, what's some, some things specifically that you're thankful that the Lord is doing? Some things that you're thankful about who the Lord is and put your heart and your mind In that place. Let us know. Would you go and share in the chats and the comments the things that you're thankful for? Before we leave this verse, remember the children of Israel would grumble and they would complain. They grumbled before they crossed the Red Sea, they grumbled after they crossed the Red Sea, they grumbled for not having water, for not having meat. I mean, their whole journey through the wilderness was one of grumbling and complaining, to the point where God sends a snake to start biting them. God gives a message of saying, we're going to have our souls bit if we're grumbling and complaining. Let's choose to worship. Let's choose to be thankful. I was encouraged with the worship that Billy shared with us this evening. And as I began to worship, my heart was lifted up. Sing to the Lord during these live stream services. Sing to the Lord. Get some worship music on and declare the goodness of God. Satan is going to want to bring us to this place of grumbling and complaining and disputing. He's the accuser of the brethren. He hates God. He hates God's people. So he's going to want to come to you and put thoughts in your mind about others and about your circumstance And get you to a place where you're grumbling and you're complaining. Here's the result if we choose to go through life where we're not complaining and we're not fighting, we're going to shine as lights in the world. Verse 15, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. So as we're thankful, And we're not fighting. We become blameless and we become harmless. And this is our last point tonight. The result of a life of thanksgiving is that you shine as lights in the world. The word blameless means innocent or above reproach. The word harmless is pure, wine not diluted, metals not weakened, without fault. So here we are able to go through this life blameless and harmless as God's children, and we're in the midst of of a crooked and perverse generation. Paul, as he's writing to the church of Philippi, says, guys, you're in a twisted and perverse generation. And here we are, so many years later, and we're still in a crooked and a perverse generation. But a thankful heart is going to be a light into this dark world. There's not too many people walking around with a smile on their face. And as you have a smile on your face, guess what? It's a light into this dark world. As you choose to be thankful for who God is and what he's done, that's going to shine as a bright light to those that don't know Christ as their Savior. Wouldn't it be a cool thing if people go, what, what is it about you? There's something different about your countenance. I want to know what you've got. Because of our relationship with the Lord. Even though the circumstances are difficult, we can choose to be able to rejoice in the Lord. Do you remember where Paul's at when he's writing this? He's in prison. And as he's in prison, he chooses to be thankful. He chooses to not grumble. He chooses to rejoice in the Lord. He chooses to set his mind upon Christ And to set his mind upon others. And it results in joy. And it results in him being a tremendous light to the Roman guards, to the other inmates. Simple thanksgiving really makes a bright light to Christ. Goes on and says, Among whom you shine as lights in the world. Our lives can shine as lights in the world. Our lights can be that bright beacon of hope and of God's faithfulness. Verse 16, holding fast the word of life. How can we be a light and how can we be thankful? By holding fast to the word of God. Hold fast to it. Second Samuel 22 verse 31 says, As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is the shield to all who trust in him. What are you holding fast to this evening? Are you holding fast to your fears? Holding fast to your sorrows? Holding fast to your complaints? Are we holding fast to the word of God? Man, get in the word of God. Study it. Pray over it. Underline it. Hold fast to it. It's your, your lifeline. Don't allow the word of God to get dusty in your life. As this trial continues on and has more and more difficulty... It's amazing how the days go by and you go, what did I get done today? What did I, what did I do today? I'm having a hard time getting my, my day started. Pick a time of day and say, I'm going to be in God's word. I'm going to study God's word. I'm going to pray before I get in it and allow the Lord to speak to me. If you're struggling to know what book of the Bible should I start reading, start with the book of Mark. It's it's an awesome book. You're going to be really blessed by looking at the life of, of Jesus. But don't lose sight of the word of God. Get a journal. Amazon's still delivering. And write down those promises of God that the Lord is showing to you and that he is speaking to you. You have to hold on to the word of life. I sense that there's some for you tonight that this is absolutely paramount. You're you're right on the brink. And if you don't choose to take your thoughts captive, if you don't choose to hold on to the word of life, destruction's going to come in your life. But if you choose to hold on to God's word, God's going to meet you. Believe him, trust him. He's he's faithful holding fast to the word of life. Then Paul says, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I've not run in vain or labored in vain. Paul desires for there to be fruit in the church of Corinth. He says, I want you to hold on to the word of life so that you have fruit, so I haven't run in vain. He wants his investment in the church of Philippi to result in fruit. In verse 17, yes, and if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you. Paul goes back to Exodus 29, verses 40 and 41, in the law where there was the drink offering that was poured out before God. And what Paul is saying here is he's saying, my life is a drink offering. I'm allowing my life to be poured out before the Lord. And if that results in death, so that the church of Philippi can be Benefited, then I'm glad and I rejoice. That's a huge statement for Paul to say and to declare that he could rejoice even if it meant that his death, he could rejoice if he continued to remain in prison. Is this how we view our lives? Do we hold on to our lives or do we view our life as a drink offering that is poured out before the Lord? Man, life is so fragile. With this coronavirus, it's fragile. But even before the coronavirus, it's fragile. We never know when we're going to go home to be with the Lord. So we want each day to be just that drink offering before the Lord. To be that sacrifice upon his altar. Because he loves us. And saying, God, I'm surrendered to you. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice in me. So Paul's saying, you can rejoice as well. Because my... Life is a drink offering before the Lord. So let's look at some applications tonight. Personal ownership. Have you taken personal ownership of your faith? Is it something where you mainly put effort into it because you feel pressure from someone else? Or is it something that you really want to do? Something that you desire to do? If we look at the physical part of our lives Oftentimes, there's not change in the physical part of our life unless we take personal ownership. If you look at our finances, a lot of times in our finances, there isn't change until we take personal ownership of our, of our finances. Well, we need to take personal ownership of our salvation. We need to, to work out, to live out, to labor, to put effort into the, the Christian life. Go for it. Go for it. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Then rely upon God's power. What is God speaking to you? How is the Spirit of God leading you? What is He putting upon your heart? We're working out what He has worked in. He's worked in us to will and to do His good pleasure. Has God put on your heart to pray, to put on your heart to read the Word, to put on your heart to share the gospel, to put on your heart to give? However the Lord is riding upon your heart, that's when the Christian life gets exciting and is powerful, is when we're working out what he has put inside of us. And then we need to replace grumbling and fighting with rejoicing and caring. Let me say that one more time. Replace grumbling and fighting with rejoicing and caring and caring. This is a choice that we get to make. These are attitudes that we get to adopt. And this may be difficult because we may be in the rut of grumbling and fighting. We may be in a place where it doesn't matter how good our circumstances are, we're still going to grumble and we're going to fight, right? So God wants us to get out of that rut. We got to choose to get out of that rut and say, okay, I'm about ready to grumble, grumble, grumble. I'm about ready to murmur, murmur, murmur. I'm going to choose to be thankful. I'm going to be thankful for who God is, thankful for what God has done. Man, if you've got food right now, be thankful. If the Lord's meeting your needs financially, be thankful. If you've got good health, be thankful. If things aren't going good, and you don't have good health, and there aren't the financial provisions, be thankful because of who God is, and His grace and His mercy. Sometimes our purest form of praise is not when blessing is coming out, but when it's time of difficulty, and we say, Lord, I'm going to choose to praise you. Remember the ten lepers that were healed? They were to go to the temple and show themselves to the priests, The priests were to inspect them to make sure that they were healed. Then they would be released back into the Jewish community. They would be clean. How many came back to thank the Lord? Only one. And when you read that, it was a Samaritan. And Jesus says, where's the other nine? He was expecting all ten to come back to him in praise and thanksgiving. So stop the grumbling, start the rejoicing, stop the fighting, and start the caring. This is part of our spiritual growth when we say, I don't need to fight with my spouse. I don't need to fight with my kids or my coworkers or fight with myself. I can be in a place of, of peace. It's a wonderful transformation that the Lord brings in our hearts and in our lives. I can't emphasize how important this is, this truth of not grumbling and fighting. To me, as I studied the scriptures, it is one of the biggest themes and the biggest topics that God would have for us is thanksgiving. There's trust, there's faith, and there's thanksgiving. They're huge topics before the Lord. So, may we really press in and allow the Lord's help to be able to come to that place of thanksgiving. I think many of us know this tonight, and we've tried in our own efforts to be more thankful. I believe that thanksgiving comes from the well of salvation. When we remember how sinful we are and that we deserve death, we deserve hell yet God has given us forgiveness and grace and made us his children, and we focus on that, our salvation provides more than enough material for us to be able to be thankful. It really comes to a focus on Christ and a focus on salvation. I think this is a great time for us to seek to try to apply this during the coronavirus, because a lot of our comforts in life are stripped back. Can't go to the gym, can't drive around town, can't be in the sanctuary here together and enjoy fellowship. And it's getting a little bit more and more difficult, this stay-at-home order. You run out of things to do, start twiddling your thumbs. It's a perfect opportunity to go, man, even though my circumstances are difficult, God is good, God is good. As we close tonight, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, it's going to be difficult to be thankful. You really need to know Him. He loves you. He died for you. He rose again. He wants to be in relationship with you. You didn't come across this live stream by accident. He's speaking directly to you. He wants for you to be the child of God. If you'll turn from your sins and trust Him and say, Jesus save me. Be the Lord of my life. I want to be the child of God. If you've never made that decision and you would like to make that decision, would you please let us know? Go to the comments, go to the chats and say, I want to receive Christ as my Savior. We have pastors and a ministry team that's ready to follow up with you. And church, we want to pray with you tonight, just like we do on a Wednesday night where we come down and there's an opportunity to receive prayer. We want to pray with you. We're ready to pray with you. We have pastors and a ministry team that's ready to pray for you. And if you're having a hard time and this is getting to you, instead of going to that place of fighting and grumbling, go to that place of saying, Lord, I need prayer. I need my brothers and sisters in Christ to pray for me. One of the really cool things about this live stream is you can put a prayer request in right now and pastors and ministry team will pray for you, but the whole church is going to start praying for you. What a blessing that that is. So if you need prayer tonight, please let us know that you need prayer. If you want to receive Christ as your Savior, you go to the comments in the chats and let us know, I want to receive receive Christ. Would you join me in prayer? Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you. And we admit that we're flawed and broken, and it's so easy to spend our days grumbling and complaining and fighting instead of rejoicing and and loving and caring. So right now we choose to rejoice. Jesus, we thank you so much for your sacrifice that you love us sinners. You died for us, that you want to be in relationship with us, that you're present with us. We thank you for eternal life. Right now, man, heaven looks so good as we go through these sufferings. We thank you that you are a rock and you are our fortress. So God, would you meet us in our praise? Even right now as we enter back into worship, would you meet us in our praise? We love you and we wait upon you in Jesus' name. Amen.